on this. I can blow on this and scatter it to the wind. I can't, I can't fashion something from, from this dust on its own. I can't stick it together, mold it together as it is right now. That was a lot messier than I thought it was going to be. It's missing something critically important. It needs water. It needs water to become clay to be able to be fashioned and shaped into something like this. Mix water with dust or powder and and somehow it, it binds it together and gives it elasticity and flexibility and structure to be able to form clay. And then, and then put that clay on a, on a potter's wheel. And the careful and creative hands of a potter can, can mold and, and shape that clay into a, a work of art. A vessel that can be used, something that just can't be blown away by the breeze. But, but, but clay without water is just dust. Clay without water is just dust. So how does tribulation, hardship, distress turn into hope? How does our collective experience of of COVID-19, racial injustice, loss, anything and everything you might be going through right now, how does that produce hope? Similar to to dust without water, suffering and hardship without God's extravagant love in our lives can just be suffering and hardship and leave us feeling like dust. But Paul has good news for a church in the midst of tough times where people are experiencing suffering and pain and difficulty. We certainly are now, and the church in Rome was certainly then too. They they existed, remember, right underneath the nose of Caesar himself. They lived in an empire in which Caesar was declared Deus et Dominus, God and Lord, on every single coin in their pockets. But, add God's unfailing, inexhaustible love to the difficulty and somehow transformation can happen. God can still be at work. Dear church, Paul says then and says now, we are seriously loved by God. We are seriously loved by God. And God's love helps transform our trouble and difficulty into hope that does not disappoint. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, that it would grow us, change us, transform us, that we might bear fruit for you and your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue in our... Dear Church sermon series in Romans. Today we'll be in Romans chapter 5. Be reading verses 1 through 8. Invite you to listen for God's word. Paul says, Therefore, since we have been made righteous through his faithfulness, 
combined with our faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand through him. And we boast in the hope of God's glory. But not only that, we even take pride in our problems because we know that trouble produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. This hope does not put us to shame because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. While we were still weak, at the right moment, Christ died for ungodly people. It isn't often that someone will die for a righteous person, though maybe someone might dare to die for a good person. But God shows his love for us because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this scripture builds beautifully off of Paul's words we read last week. Last week, Paul spoke of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, that that when we trust in Christ's death and resurrection, we who are in the wrong, we who are unfaithful, are not only pardoned, but made a part of God's forever family. So this scripture picks up right on that thought. Since we have been made righteous or put in the right by Jesus' faithfulness, since we're a part of God's forever family, we have peace with God because of Jesus, Paul says. In other words, we have a personal relationship with the creator of heaven and earth. And it seems both crazy and absurd, right, to think of the billions, billions of people on earth and God chooses not to just kind of pay attention to us as individuals, but to be in relationship with us. But because God's very nature is love, I mean, the most natural thing for a perfectly loving God to do would be to share that love with us in relationship. And so, Paul writes, we stand in the midst of grace. We stand in the wide open space of God's glorious and loving presence, standing tall, shouting our praise, celebrating to God. Where it's like God's love is the air we breathe. It's like the air we breathe. But then Paul gets real. Yes, we stand up in the wide, open, and glorious spaces of God's grace and love because of Jesus. But that space of God's love and grace is not a a magic bubble, right, that that keeps us uh, immune from experiencing suffering and tribulation and hardship and difficulty. Because God also enlists us, commissions us to be a part of God's ongoing work in the world, God's saving work in the world. And that means that we will walk the path of tribulation, The last thing that the early church needed, the last thing the early church would have needed and the last thing that we need in the midst of of difficult circumstances is some false sense of hope, some shallow fleeting optimism, some sunny but ultimately empty promises tossed our way. But like water added to dust to make clay, and then that clay fashioned into a a work of of art, Paul knows that, that God's unfailing love has the power to ensure that suffering and hardship and tribulation don't stay suffering, hardship, and tribulation. That's why he's crazy enough to say that we won't just be celebrating we won't just, just celebrate standing in grace. We, we celebrate even in the face of our troubles and our problems. 
The Greek word that we translate trouble or hardship or problems suggests being hemmed in or trapped with little options. Does anybody feel some of that right now? And yet Paul says that we, we celebrate even then because God is molding it on a trajectory toward hope. God is molding it on a trajectory toward hope. Troubles get fashioned into holy endurance. And that, and that holy endurance gets transformed into character where we're alert for what God is going to be doing next. And then that character gets fashioned into a hope that will not let us down. Will not let us down. Why won't it let us down? Because God's love has been poured, poured into our hearts. Poured, not dripped, not trickled, poured. Last week, uh, Gabriel and Ellis were playing outside in the kids' pool, and, and, and Gabriel and Ellis, but especially Gabriel, was enjoying pouring water out of a bucket onto Ellis's head. So I decided that I would dump a bucket on Gabriel's head, too, just to be equitable with the water pouring going on. Uh, so, uh, of course, I did, and he, and he loved it, and soon I was pouring water onto, onto both of their heads. Uh, and then I was pouring water on them from two buckets at the same time, and then from as high up as I could reach. And if I tried to, to just trickle it out, drip it out, teasing them, they would say, Daddy, no, the whole thing. Pour the whole thing out. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. That word pour is the same word that Jesus uses when he, when he takes the cup at the Last Supper and says, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and many for the forgiveness of your sins. Or when the Holy Spirit is described in the book of Acts as being poured out on those gathered there or poured out on the, on the Gentiles. We're talking about gushing, pouring liberally, like as in not enough containers to catch it all. You know how when you're in some restaurants, you know, before it was takeout only, when you used to go to a restaurant, sit down, order a meal, that kind of thing. You know how you go to some restaurants, there's always this one waiter who like really likes to refill your water glass. Like every time that she comes to the table, he takes the water pitcher and pours water into it again, even though you literally just took two sips out of a full cup. More water into the cup over and over again. Poured out. And that's what, friends, that's what Paul is getting at. What forges and creates a resilient hope in us from the suffering and difficulty in our lives is God's love constantly being poured into our hearts over and over again, allowing God to mold and to fashion and to transform. Water into dust makes clay that can be fashioned. At each stage of throwing pots, something else takes shape and, and form. God's love pours into our hearts when we face troubles and suffering, and God begins to fashion patience and, and endurance from that. And then God's love pours into our hearts again, and God fashions and molds that patient endurance into well-formed character and virtue. And then God's love pours into our hearts again, and God fashions and molds that, that character into hope. Not a false hope but a real hope that will not disappoint us or fail us. And it's pure hope, it's unfailing hope at each and every step of the way because at each and every step of the way to arrive at this hope, God's love 
has been the active ingredient. God's love has been the active ingredient, and God's hands have been the ones doing the shaping and the fashioning something out of it. As one of my pastor friends always says, God doesn't call suffering and hardship, but God's sure not going to waste them either. God didn't cause COVID-19, but God's not going to waste it either. God's love is being poured out. What is being fashioned in us and among us? God didn't cause the deaths of George Floyd, Beyonce Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, or all the pain that has followed, but God is not going to waste it either. God's love is being poured out. What is being fashioned in us and among us and in our systems? It's hope, justice, courage, healing. And if, and if that's not enough, Paul tells us exactly what the character of this, of this love is like. Just how seriously God loves us. Just how amazing the love that God pours into our hearts actually is. God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. No wonder it can transform hardship into hope. We're not just talking about fond affection, although God is certainly fond of us. When we look at Jesus, we are looking at the one who embodies, who puts flesh and bones on God's love in action. God didn't say, I love you so much. I see that you're in trouble. I love you so much that I'm going to send somebody else to help you out. Jesus' death shows how much God loves us because God is fully present in Jesus. God said, I love you so much. I'm coming myself to you. When we trust and recognize that we are seriously, seriously loved by God, we can know that God will not waste the tribulations that happen in our lives. God's love will pour into our hearts and God will mold and shape that tribulation into patience and into perseverance and into character and then to a resilient hope. I'm reminded of one of the closing dialogues in the movie Just Mercy, which we're having a Zoom conversation about at the end of the month, as I already mentioned, and attorney Brian Stevenson has just successfully secured charges to be dropped for Walter McMillan, who was innocent and yet on death row. Brian Stevenson says, I came out of law school with grand ideas in my mind about how to change the world. But Mr. McMillan made me realize we can't change the world with only ideas in our minds. We need conviction in our hearts. This man taught me how to stay hopeful because I now know that hopelessness is the enemy of justice. Hope allows us to push forward even when the truth is distorted by the people in power. It allows us to stand up when they tell us to sit down and to speak when they say be quiet. Through this work, I've learned that each of us is more than the worst thing we've ever done, that the opposite of poverty isn't wealth, the opposite of poverty is justice, that the character of our nation isn't reflected in how we treat the rich and privileged, but how we treat the poor, the disfavored, and condemned. Our system has taken more away from this innocent man than it has the power to give back, but I believe if each of us can follow his lead, we can change this world for better. 
If we can look at ourselves closely and honestly, I believe we will see that we all need justice. We all need mercy. And perhaps we all need some measure of unmerited grace. I taught you all that, Walter asks, grinning. Pretty good, ain't it? Yes, it is. A hope that doesn't disappoint, that's resilient, that doesn't let us down because we are seriously, seriously loved by God. So whatever you you might be experiencing right now or going through right now, everything that we're experiencing in this difficult season right now, know this, friends, you are seriously, seriously loved. And God has has poured, not dripped, not trickled, lavishly poured God's willing to die for you love into your heart through the Holy Spirit. And that love has the power to transform and to mold our suffering, our difficulty, our hardship, our tribulation into a strong and resilient hope that will not let us down but will fuel us, will will push us forward in a tough time. Dear church, we are seriously loved. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.